Hello and welcome to the Science Fiction Book Review Podcast. My name is Luke Burridge and this is the show where I review every single science fiction book that I read as I read it. There's no set schedule, it's just whenever I finish a book, I do the review, stick it up here on the podcast feed for everyone to download and listen to. Joining me today is Juliana. Say hello, Juliana. Hello, everyone. And today I have promised that this is going to be a short podcast because Juliana is very tired and she needs yes. to go to bed. yes. Because we're going away for the weekend. We do. And we go camping again I in know, October. First, this uh, is going to be the last time camping for this year. 18 degrees today. We're, go- we're for a good no, weekend no, I'm here. I'm talking about nights. Oh, yes. It four goes degrees down at night. <laughs> four, three, two degrees. That is cold. It's okay. We got some, we got some good... Ca- we got a nice tent. We're going to a juggling convention for mm. the first time since July last year. So it's been over a year yes. since we've been to a juggling festival. Looking True. forward to that. Anyway, I said this is going to be a short podcast because yeah. do you remember once we um, reviewed a... Um, wasn't it a novella? I can't remember which one it was. I think it was might have been one of the Murderbot novellas. Yeah. It might have been. And it was, you know, the whole book is... It was like an hour and a half uh, audiobook or two hour po- yeah. uh, audiobook, like yeah. really, really short. And I was like, well, I don't normally review... Um, uh, uh, I don't normally review uh, that novellas, short? not that short, yeah. but I'd already read it once and then you, re- you read it. And so I re-listened to the audiobook. In fact, I even remember where I was when I re-listened to oh, the okay. audiobook. It was in Miami airport waiting for a plane. So I pretty much managed to listen to the entire audiobook. But then I thought, well, it's not worth doing a full episode. So I think I said this is going to be the shortest ever episode that we did. And I managed to get it in, was it nine minutes and 52 seconds? Oh, I can't it? remember. In fact, I could as you probably quite, just yeah, look it up short. here. Yeah, because I've got the um, SFBRP here. I can actually just search. If you go to um, SFBRP.com and then click on episodes links, you can actually episode sort. Episode list. Uh, episode list. That's it. Yeah, you can actually sort by it. So, oh, yes, it was Artificial Condition. It was Murderbot Diaries number two yes. is actually what it was, not the yeah, first one. Yeah, that was one. the one where I... Uh, like I got the first book, yeah. Didn't really notice that it was a short book, but then the the I think the second or third I bought, yeah. And it turns out that was an accident because like I paid way too much for uh, this length no- novella, yeah. this long kind, this well, length they were charging, of entertainment. They were charging uh, um, a normal price, yeah, normal no- novel prices novella for novella length story. Um, a novel, novel price, a novel price for a, a novella. Novel pr- yeah, yeah. So they were and charging way more, and like a full audiobook credit. Yes, on, and so I expected yeah. to get a proper novel nah. and not just a novella, like a which story. it turns out it was. So I actually, uh, so so I made sure that episode was no longer than the previous shortest episode, which was <laughs> Venus of Dreams by Pamela Sh- Sargent, all the way back in two thousand and eight, episode number three. Ooh. Bum 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 bum. <laughs> okay. Um, but so the, when did we do the uh, the shortest one then? Uh, the when Shortest that? One, that was uh, that was back in uh, 2019, so okay. August 2019. So actually, I don't remember where I listened to the audiobook for that. And I think actually I didn't listen to the audiobook. I think I read it as an ebook because I didn't want to also pay oh, so an audible it. credit yeah. for a short story. Anyway, so brings me today to this one. How right. much am I willing to pay for a story like a novel which isn't doesn't feel like a full you know a full novel? It's actually yeah. quite a short novel. Yeah. And I discovered it is zero, but audible. Uh, has a feature called um, the Audible Free Library, as like included in your subscription. And one of the books is a is a novel which I'd never read, which I would call a novel because it does feel a bit longer than okay. uh, it does feel a bit longer than just a, a short story or a novella. Yeah, um, it's like long novella. A but, long novella. Yeah, it's it's because it's like or a four short a, novel. It's, it's a four and a half hour, four and a half hours, no, almost five hour long audio audiobook. Mm. And there's when I whenever I've got an audiobook before and it's like six hours, I'm like, mm. yeah, that's a novel length. Yeah, you know. 
The thing that makes this feel like a shorter novel is that there's one setting. Everybody goes into a room mm-hmm. and then everything happens in a room. It's like a locked room mystery. We've got this character, okay. these, all these characters around. Something happens. Somebody's done a crime or somebody's done something <laughs> wrong. We've got to work out what's what, like who did it or what's right. going on here. Yeah. Um, so much to do with the machine that inverts things or whatever. It's like some science fiction, fun science fiction thing. Okay. And then you discover who did it. And then yeah. there's a little bit of a little wrapping up afterwards and that's the end of it so okay. while it it's longer than a like a, a short story or a novella yeah. or novelette which i've never really work out which you know why novelettes <laughs> even exist um like you know it, so it, it's as long as a novel but it yeah. feels kind of like as reduced down to a single location as a novella or a short story can be but it's got the substance of a novel and okay. the, the novel we're talking about is fritz Leiber, the big time that sounds a bit like it's a, like a one actor. Like if if you would ha- go if you go uh, theater and on stage, uh, it's like a like a one scene play where everything happens in this one scene. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. No scene changes. You have a set uh, yeah. amount of actors, which is like I don't know. In this case, four, five. Well, there's like 10 characters. Ten, oh, 10 uh, characters. Yeah, okay. But here, check, this, check this out here. Reception. This is the Wikipedia page. Reading verbatim from the Wikipedia page. Mm. Reception. Aldous Budris praised the big time, open bracket, which he categorized as a play, not a novel, close bracket, mm. as evidence that Lieber, uh, sorry, Lieber, I keep, it's Lieber, but I keep getting mixed up. Lieber was only, the, is the only science fiction of his generation. So I'm just saying like, you're not the first person to think this feels like a one act play. It's, it does feel very much like a one act play. Okay. Like I remember going to the theatre, especially yeah. when I was studying theatre or, you know, doing um, theatre stuff because I did performing arts at college. Mm. would go along to the theatre and some of them would be like, yeah, there's one set. Yeah. Everything happens in this one set. Yeah. Um, I remember one play that I went to see. It was actually like a, a farce mystery thing in three parts. And okay. it was all in one like, yeah. you know, dressing room yeah. or no, not dressing room, like drawing room, whatever the room is in the big manor houses yes. that they do. Everyone goes in that one place and there's a gun on the wall and someone's got to shoot it by the end whatever um yeah. and yeah actually uh the, in this uh, uh um some some of the reviews here as well uh this ryan fisher a friend of mine on, on on goodreads um rated it two stars this is an odd book i was not surprised to read that Liber was an actor and the child of actors as he constructs this novel <laughs> like a play a handful of characters are stuck in a room for the length of the book they spend the entire novel debating their plight discussing the nature of their lives and of existence and falling in love with each other getting into few with each other and generally just talking a lot yeah yeah it's really funny that just by you uh you didn't tell me anything about i mean you said it's science fictiony and whatever yeah. but you said it's a room with yeah. a lot of people in it and they that's it but that immediately puts this into my head that it, this is more like uh, a play mm. like it's a it's a stage performance it's fe- like at some point you're like oh now it's the turn of this woman to get yeah. up and do her uh-huh. retelling of the uh-huh. thing that happened you yeah. know it mm. felt very much of like um you know in uh, yeah, what was it? I, again thinking about my theater pass we did a production of antigone mm. um oh yes which is a you know greek play and yeah. we did the bertolt brecht um, translation or whatever it was, like some line yeah. of translations from Greek into maybe German, I guess, Bertolt Brecht, <laughs> and, and then, then from Ger- Brecht to German into this book, brings up different stuff. And then, of course, a lot of that, it's all happening in one place and yeah. we were trying to make it dramatic and staging. But a lot of the action just happens like off the stage. So yeah. if somebody always comes in and say, let me tell you of the battle that just happened out the out the back there, out the <laughs> yeah. side there. This has it just happened makes here. makes sense. Like you don't, um, you want to reduce it. So you have as little costume, as little yeah. s- set design, yeah 
and and as as few people as yeah. possible, but still have all the action and the the fun things happening. Yeah, I yeah. was. Uh, uh, reminds I, me a little bit. Sorry, no, it reminds me a bit of the um, of some of the um, Miss Miss Marble, Marble, M- Marple, Mi- marvelous Miss Marble. No, Ma- Miss Miss Maisie Maisie no, Mabel. No, 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 no. Okay, Mrs. you think about that. Mrs. I, what are you what, talking about? That, the Maisie Dobbs, uh, Agatha. No, uh, Agatha uh, Christie's Christie. Uh, Agatha Mrs. Christie. Yeah, Mrs. Miss Marple. Marple. Maybe. This is what I said. Okay, right? maybe you did. Anyway, okay, either way. Her, this kind of oh, like, right. at the end of what, it's, everything goes on. Yeah. At the end, she collects, she asks everyone in the room. Yeah. And then No, no, it's, it's less about that. It's less about that. It's more the idea of like, we just can't show this in the on the, on the, on the stage. Like, we can't do a battle. So somebody has to go in and come in and say, oh, they plucked out the other eye of Gloucester or whatever <laughs> it is in King Lear. <laughs> you know, okay. I always love the line, plucked out the other eye. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. so funny. Because <laughs> it's sort of like, oh, you didn't even mention his first eye was plucked out. Pe- now they're the plucking out the other eye or piercing the that other eye. That also happened. Uh, yeah. No, it reminds me of this book that I was once reading about um, movie production. And they're saying, mm. oh, budget is one of the main things which, oh, yeah. which will determine what you're going in. Yeah. So just imagine, like, you're going to cut things for budget. And it was mm. the example was, like, you're going to have this massive car crash where a bus full of children crash off the thing or something like that. And they're like, that's very expensive. Also, special effects are expensive. Mm. Like, compositing is expensive. Mm-hmm. Just putting text on the screen is actually very, very... This was back in the day, like, when yeah. you didn't, couldn't just do it all the computers. Like, just putting text on the screen yeah. is also very yeah, expensive. Yeah. This is the, And so they say, and, and the way that I would shoot this scene on a budget is, like, just bring a text card up and say, the bus crashed and all the children died, and then cut to the next scene of people reacting to it. Because that's what you... And that's, that's always stuck in my head yeah. of, like, I don't remember what book it was or, you know, why I was even reading a book about movie budgeting, but it was yeah. it was always stick with my head. Okay, let's move on. The reason and I picked this book wasn't just because because I was looking oh yeah this is the continuing series of how many novels can Luke complete by the time that Juliana finishes um, Absolution Gap by Alistair Reynolds well you have you finished I it I have finished the book unfortunately I finished this just a few hours uh, before, before you in the evening yes. however this is like okay a, 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 a five hour a five hour audiobook rather yeah. than a I think that was like a 29 hour audiobook so pretty chunky it's very big and you were reading it in, was, in English uh, as an ebook. 1,100 1, yeah. pages, roughly. So in that time, uh, I read The Quarter Share. I started and abandoned We Are Satellites by Sarah Pinsker. I finished The Postman by David Brin. I started and abandoned Nemesis by Isaac Asimov. And then I finished The Big Time by Fritz Leiber. And the reason... Oh, sorry, Karen. When's that book from? Okay, here's the thing the reason why I picked this book out yeah. rather than any other of the random books is because it's from uh, 1958 is oh. when it was written oh wow and I've always seen this book on the lists of Hugo award winning novels oh really yeah because they've been going now since 1953 I think was the first or maybe there was one in 1952 and then they skipped a year and then yeah. 1954 five six so this was like the fourth ever Hugo award oh, that ever came that's, out that's impressive and uh, so I've always seen it on the list and just never got I've just never thought like oh yeah that sounds like a book that I really <laughs> want really to get to, to. Check out. but again yeah. it was for free I was looking for another short filler book to continue the series of how many book novels Luke <laughs> is going to read before Yuliana finishes Absolution Gap by Alistair Reynolds and this was the next one in that list of short novels I right. wanted to get to uh, and yeah Hugo Award. So I don't 
think this is the best novel from that year. So I was like, all right, why did this novel win the Hugo Award in 1958? And important question, what, what was the better book in that year? Well, here's the thing. So when I went over and I checked out the um, the Hugo Award for best novel uh, Wikipedia page, mm-hmm. n.wikipedia.org forward slash wiki forward slash Hugo underscore award underscore four underscore best underscore novel. I don't know why I just read that out. And I was looking down, I was like, all right, the first novel, the first one, which was 1953. Oh, yeah. So that was the the skipping year. So the first one was The Demolished Man by Alfred Bester. I think we talked about that. um, Did we? No, I think, uh, one second, Demolished... Uh, no, I don't. No. I have read it. That, that oh, was... I think the SF, SFF Audio podcast did an episode about it. And uh, I read it for them. That does not ring a bell for, for at that. all. But maybe, I, I don't know. I haven't listed it here. Um, the Demolished Man. Okay. Um, so, and then it, it, they followed it up by They'd Rather Be Right, also known as The Forever Machine by Mark Clifton and Frank Riley. I have not read that one. Mm-hmm. Robert, a. Robert A. Heinlein, Double Star. And uh, and then Fritz Leiber, The Big Time. So, you know, Alfred Bester, Heinlein, Clifton and Riley, who I don't know. Next up, A Case of Conscience by James Blish. And then Starship Troopers by Robert J. Heinlein. A Canticle for Leibowitz. Stranger mm-hmm. in a Strange Land. Man in the High Castle. You see, once you get into it's there... ramping like, up a yeah, bit. Yeah, like Starship Troopers, Canticle for Leibowitz, Stranger in a Strange Land, Man in the High Castle. Still considered like classics of science fiction. Yes. The ones before, just these first few before that, like A Case of Conscience, The Big Time, um, They'd Rather Be Right, you go, like, these aren't the ones that are talked about. Like, The Demolished Man is now, and some of these other ones here Mm. as well. Um, Waystation by Clifford D. Samick. uh, uh, And then there's another one by Fritz Leiber, The Wanderer, which I don't know. Then Frank Herbert Dune. Mm. Um, The Moon is a Harsh Mistress. Lord of Light by Roger Zelazny. Stand on Zanzibar. All of these books that I've read... Uh, 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 I think I started actually Stand on Zanzibar again for this podcast and never got around to finishing it or reviewing it. So okay. I should, should look back on, on my notes and that Left Hand of Darkness, Ringworld. But again, it's just these earlier ones. I was like, oh, right. This, what happened? A, what do you mean what happened? I've no, just never was... got around to reading them because no, no, they're, no, not but... in, they're not as well. They're not, they, ha- they didn't make it into the canon alongside like Waystation and Starship okay. Troopers and Canticle for Leverwitz. For some reason, those got in and they're like, now they're held up as classics yes. from this era. But now you've read a book of one of those earlier ones. Yeah. Do you think this... They, everybody missed out on putting this no, one on the table. No, it's not very good. Exactly. I mean, it's not, yeah, it's so... not very substantial. <laughs> like, it, for a book which is as, as substantial as Starship Troopers or as literary literary as A Canticle for Leibowitz, which is a book I think I've read three times now and always infuriates me. And I always, and I don't understand why I keep getting drawn back to some of these books, which I'm like, oh, this is so annoying to me. But it's like written so well. or It's like it's really annoying, but it. you can yeah. sink your teeth into it in a, in a really interesting way. Um, yeah, maybe I should go back and, and check out Canticle for Leibowitz again for the third time on this podcast. Okay. Um, now, here's the thing: all of these, all of the, except for the first two years, uh, or like fifty three and fifty five, they always list on the on the Wikipedia page what the book that won was, and then the four or five other novels which were also like which were nominated in that yeah. year to go. These were the top ones. Yeah. So in the year that Heinlein won. Um, uh, Dorsai, uh, The Parrots of Ursa, Sweet Little Old Lady, and The Sirens of Titan. Again, Kurt Vonnegut there as well. Those are the ones that 
Starship Troopers beat, but then Fritz Leiber, with the big time, it doesn't list the other books which were nominated in that year. I don't mm. know what it beat to get mm. there. I don't mm. know how they did the voting. Maybe they lost track of the voting slips. Maybe they just didn't record it. Again, maybe there was they hadn't really clarified the rules. I went over to the Hugo Awards page for 1958, mm-hmm. and look, just doesn't it says no, best novel or novelette. Short story, outstanding movie, and it's the Incredible Shrinking Man. Um, the best best professional magazine, outstanding artist, and outstanding active fan. I don't know what that means. I don't know what an outstanding active fan is. Yeah, okay. Um, so yeah, interesting. Um, what 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 year? Fifty eight. Nineteen fifty eight. So something thankfully, happening. thankfully, somebody already did this because I looked through because I was I was looking through some reviews the other day. I was like, what? Why can't like what do people say about this? And uh, and apparently here it is. So Joe Walton at Tor.com yeah. It said that other novels that could have been worthy of inclusion on comparison are here. So she was going like, she also did the same thing as me. Like, what other books came out in 1957 slash 1958 in yeah. the 12 months before that award was given? Yeah. So we have uh, Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged, mm. Jack Vance's The Big Planet or Big Planet, mm. uh, Philip K. Dick's The Cosmic Puppets and Eye in the Sky, Ray Bradbury's Dandelion Wine, Arthur C. Arthur C. Clarke's The Deep Range, Robert Heinlein's The Door into Summer and Citizen of the Galaxy, Fred Hoyle's The Black Cloud, Van Vogt's The Empire of the Atom, Philip Jose Farmer's The Green Odyssey, which I've read that one as well, Wyndham's The Midwich Cuckoos, which I've read, Neil Schutz on the Beach, Frederick Brown's Rogue in Space, and Eric Frank Russell's Wasp. Uh, I've only read maybe five of them. I started an abandoned Atlas Shrugged. I've read The Big Planet... Um, the Deep Range, The Door into Summer, and Citizen of the Galaxy, The Green Odyssey, and The Midwitch Cuckoos. Mm-hmm. So some quite well-known uh, authors amongst these. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, when I, I said like the third ever episode that I ever did was... Uh, no, the, the second ever episode was the shortest episode. So it yeah. goes like this. Outcast of Heaven's Belt, Venus of Dreams. The third novel I ever reviewed on this podcast was The Door into Summer by Robert A. Heinlein, and I gave that 4.2 stars. Ooh. Back when I wasn't Not. quite sure what the gradation Would. between the how how Would that tight be in I was like, today. Ah, it's better than four stars. Anyway, very good book. I really enjoyed that book because it's about time travel, about someone in the 1950s going forward to the 1970s, and then he goes forward to like the 2010s or whatever it is. So it's somebody keeps going forward in time, and you're like, when was this book written? And you're like, is it written? Because in the 1970s, it's like, and I went into a bank. And I didn't need to. They didn't need to look it up. It was just all on a computer. And he read, and like the the world, the science fiction world building was like, oh yeah, like an ATM machine and like yeah. banks connected and by card. cards, you know, yeah. and not like. But it wasn't even cards. It was all like some machine that could just know what my bank account was. And I'm like, oh wow, like that's uh, really crazy. an Apple Watch. <laughs> yeah, right? I can yeah. just go and bloop yeah, it like and try, uh, so, check out. It's a fun novel, and it's about a cat, which is always... Like... And that is also from 1958. Yeah, that's, that's one of these books 57. that uh, Joe Walton in Tor.com uh, stated it would be like... So I was going to say, if I was going to pick any book to win the uh, 1958... Um, or, uh, uh, no, yeah, Hugo. 1958 Hugo yeah. Award, um, just off the top of my head, I have good memories of The Green Odyssey, uh, Midwich Cuckoos, um, The Door into Summer... I can't remember which of Heinlein's books Citizen of the Galaxy is. I, if I looked it up, I could probably remember which it is. And Jack Vance, I, I like The Big Planet, but I enjoyed other books by him more, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. And and again, Atlas Shrugged, I began and abandoned because I realized it's You shrugged not, it off. I, I, <laughs> I shrugged it off. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so um, 
why did you mention quite prominently at the start talking what? about the shortest episode? Is this going to be a short episode? Yeah, I've kind of said everything because I, I just wanted to talk about the reason why I read this book. And okay. it turns out you don't really need to go. Like, there's a reason. What I'm trying to say is there's a reason why this book didn't make it into the canon. It right. Did, it isn't mentioned in in, uh, in in the list with these other Hugo Awards for Best Novels yeah. from back then. That makes Starship sense. Tubers, Canticle for Leibowitz, Stranger in a Strange Land, Man in the High Castle. Dune. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> when you get started going um, down there. Frank Herbert's Dune, Moon is a Harsh Mystery, Lord of Light, a Stand on Zandibar, Left Hand of Darkness. Wow, a woman won at one point, look. Yeah, um, I have one question about this that? book, though. What's with this title? The big t- oh, so the the setup is that there's this sort of like dimension outside of time, right? Which is sort of like you can go into it and you oh, so here's the thing. Um, this book is like a precursor to the move the the TV series from Disney, sorry from Marvel, Loki. You know they go into uh, the yeah. they go into the what is it the the time violation administration yeah. um, bureaucracy. Yeah. That's what this is. Okay. So, but it, it's kind of like there's actually like there's two of these. Okay. So you go like there's there's this kind of dimension which happens outside of time. Yes. And then you can go into normal time and come out of it and in and out of it at different plates. Yeah. Places and there's a war going on, and the two sides of the war there's the spiders and the snakes, and these people <laughs> are on the spiders' side, and they're going all the way back in time to like thousands and thousands and like millions of years ago, and doing stuff there to try and set things up that the other ones are tr- then have to fail, and then they're messing with the timeline. To be- it's this whole messing with the timeline. Okay, is, but they're you know- all in the same room all the time. No, 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 no. Oh. <laughs> this room is like a rest, a, a, a rest and recreation recuperation center oh i see so um, where the people who did the tra- traveling yeah, they the come time, there and hang out the time army people mm. have been going in and they what they do is just before people it's like it's weird because i recognize so much of this from other stories which right. have which i've read either before or since mm. which have kind of just done it better because they actually concentrate on it there's the end of eternity by isaac asimov and that's about like a, a place where there's like a an administration mm. where people can be in and then they can pop out into our time right and then they can go back into that time in that book it's called uh eternity because right. it's this place which lasts all the way through history right um and I, I think if you go up the floors you can like i can't remember which way is it and they go up and down in this building which is like in a different dimension it's like yeah. in its own little pocket dimension it doesn't follow the same time it, no no it has its own time flow. so yeah. when you're in there time is passing in there mm. but it's like a separate timeline from what's happening again it's like the loki thing yeah. you know yeah, yeah. like you can go in and out and in at the different loki, times in the loki movies uh, sure, uh, short now what is it uh, it's miniseries um, what happens there is that everything has this kind of like 50s look to it yeah like this kind of yeah. the, 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 the clock and the, the kind of typewriters they're using and stuff everything looks a bit 50-ish yeah so uh, maybe some inspiration. Maybe maybe that's it. It comes from these things. But again, I've I've seen this kind of thing and the whole idea of a time wall where you have to keep going further and further earlier in time to do to, something to which does it. So people. it starts out and they're talking about oh yes, and we we pick out the soldiers from each person like we like to, to get our own soldiers we get someone who's just about to die and then the moment they die we like pluck them out of this situation yes and so the soul some some of the soldiers are from roman times some of them are from <laughs> like you know shakespearean times someone's like oh yes i met shakespeare once i think and maybe that uh, yeah, and, I think so. and are um, they written like that are they actually a, talking like this in this a, kind of manner 
What's that? Are they talking in this kind yeah, of manner? Yeah, I'll get onto that in a second. Oh. Um, there's the uh, there's a um, uh, er- Eric 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 who's a, a a Nazi guy like a Nazi soldier. Okay. Erich. What's that? Erich. Erich or something. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And uh, yeah, and then there's some like more like people from like well, obviously only up until 1958, and then there's nobody <laughs> from after. But the people after that, someone's from a space war, someone's from like there's some lunar person, sort of like someone from millions of years when humanity has like evolved to be on the moon or whatever. And there's some kind of alien things with tentacles. Anyway, <laughs> so they're all there in this rest and recoup R and R space, right? And the main character, her name is I will now quickly look up uh, here. Um, Oh, it doesn't even say. Oh no! Let me go to the uh, the uh, big time Wikipedia page. So it's a uh, someone is a. Oh, I'm looking at this now. It's not working. A oh, greater no, the narrator of the novel is greater. A young human female employed by <laughs> at a recuperation station where soldiers recover from battles. Greater is an entertainer, part prostitute, part nurse, part psychotherapist. <laughs> Great. Uh, it's, oh, yeah. It's, oh, it's terrible. I mean, it's very 1950s. Of, hey, like, I didn't even want to go into this because it's what like, are women yeah, what do you think for? this oh, is They gonna... are good for entertainment and prostitution and yeah, psychologists. psychologists. This, is, this is all the roles. Yeah, it's that terrible. They... Like, again, it's not good. Like, this could be, like, <laughs> it, if this was updated, there is a core here which is actually quite fun. Yeah. There is some fun here. Yeah. But it's spread around in a one act play which is too long which yeah. gets which is made up of people getting up and giving soliloquies and you know <laughs> monologues or whatever you want to call them to yeah. the audience to to the to the room you yeah. know performing to the room and it just doesn't it doesn't work as a novel yeah. because all of this really interesting stuff where are oh, the spiders and the and the snakes going up against each other mm. and there's this whole battle going on throughout the entirety of eternity like the you know from the beginning to the end of eternity yeah. and all this you know time violations of like this is fun bit where it says oh yeah this um oh i think i made a note of this actually at the start it says um uh, the big time. Uh, so uh, this this guy comes from Nazi-occupied Tsarist Russia, and I was like, "Wait, Nazi-occupied Tsarist Russia? It doesn't make sense." But it's talking about how the world has changed has so it, much of that they're going, "Oh, been... we're going to make it." Mm. So the Axis powers won the Second World War. Of course, it's written in 1958. This is like you know High, only... highly. Uh... Yeah. yeah, current. Like 13 years yeah. after the end of the, you know, so someone yeah. like now talking about something which was more recent than 9 11 mm. or anything that's happened more recently. Yeah. Well, up until yeah, 13 years ago, yeah. whatever I want to say. Um, so, yeah, it's, so I was like, oh, there's this all this weird stuff going on there of mixing up of history. But it's own, we never actually get to see that or the outcome of that. We only get to see what people from outside bring into, like bring out of our time, yeah. our normal time, mm. into what they call the big time, which is like this this uh, dimension outside of our time oh, is the big time. Because that's the one that's important that doesn't yeah. change. Yeah. They can keep going over and changing stuff in, in, the, in the normal timeline, but it doesn't go back over into this like fixed time. Yes, it's like the observer, kind of observer timeline. But I don't think... Maybe Maybe I didn't concentrate so well, or maybe I misunderstood it, but not every bit of that felt completely coherent in this way, in a way which, when Isaac Asimov does it in End of Eternity, it felt like really rigorous because that was what the story was about. Mm. It was about going like time loops and somebody going back in time and going to the same place. You know, there was that thing where, uh, what is it in the, um, in not Inception, what's the, what's the latest uh, time bendy movie? 
the um time bendy movie yeah where the people go backwards in time they bend time backwards what was that one we watched it uh and it's got did we and it's got not denzel washington in the in the lead oh oh uh um, uh uh Whatever that one is, yes. where people go backwards in time. Yes. Uh, uh, anyway, you, you know, you, you, the guy comes out and you're like, well, this fight scene is going in too long. So he's obviously yeah. fighting himself. Yes. Because of course he's fighting himself. Well, because we get to see it. Yeah, because we're it's sort of like, oh, and I was thought we're going to watch it later on in the movie. We're going to watch this in, in reverse, or like in yeah. the other way around. Yeah. And then we did. Yeah. And that's what you can do when something is rigorous and you're actually playing with time in ways which people haven't played with time. Yes. And because this is all about this locked room drama mm. where everyone's in one place mm. and not actually doing all that time you don't get the fun of what the time travel is or the the time war that's going backwards and forwards yes and it feels to me like because they're all in this room and then there are other people they are we don't actually know um these people could all be um how is this how is this called when you can't trust the narrators yeah like we, we don't like they are there then they might be both Boosting, boasting, boasting, boasting about stuff. Yeah, like they are there holding big speeches to to entertain the people or to make themselves look. Well, it's not better or whatever speeches because it's not even that interesting. Like, okay, (laughs) it just it's like it's it's a book which is talking about more interesting things than than the book is actually containing. Okay, because it's a one room one act play. Yeah unfortunately so uh it, it was narrated i course, this is included in my audible um subscription for free mm. it's narrated by Susanna torren who does a really good uh, a really good narration she, okay because uh, again it's a it's a very like performative thing mm. if you want to do uh, a fun german accent for to, to play a nazi yeah. officer you can you know yeah. there's lots of lots of fun accents to bring in here yeah. she does a really great job of it so if you want to listen to this book or any others you should go Go over to audibletrial.com forward slash SFBRP and you can get yes. yourself a free um, trial membership for uh, with with Audible and then you get you get free access to a huge library of um, audiobooks even if you don't want to spend a credit on this. It's not worth spending an Audible credit on. Yeah. But if you can get Doesn't it for free like. like I did, check it out. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash SFBRP. So I'm going to rate this book. I'm going to rate it two stars because there is a, a little okay. bit of it that's worth uh-huh. reading. And because it was so two short. Two stars. What? Okay. Why? What uh, were you thinking? I don't know. One and a half? No, because it there are some fun things in it. Okay. But the fun things always seem to be referenced. But then there's so much which isn't fun, like the all the women characters are prostitutes slash, you know, massage therapists and all the men get to do the fun stuff. Mm. I know it's from 1958. Mm. I know even these days books will be written written where uh, all the, uh, like the men get... I, I, there's a, a, a line in the... I think it's the... Um, the, the book about Pixar, I can't remember what it was, maybe Creativity Inc. I can't remember which one it is, but I read it one, but maybe in an extract or whatever. Mm. I, maybe I can't remember which of those books I read. Um, and it was about Ed Catmull, who was one of the creators of Pixar and yeah. doing direction and other stuff, company. And his daughter said to him about the movie Cars. And she said, why do the boys get to race, but the girls don't get to race? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like... Hmm. Uh-huh. And that led to movies Good like Brave and question. other movies where you're like, oh, oh, girls get to do things fun too. Things. Girls get yeah. to do fun things too. Like, but it's one of those things like, hey, why do the boys get to drive around the racetrack yeah. and the girls don't? And things that are considered dangerous, uh, some girls could do that too. But again, 
this book is let down by coming from 1958, yeah. but not also not being substantial enough, like um, I don't know, like all the others, the other books yeah, that you've mentioned, that like come Lord after. of Light and Dune, and yeah. uh, but now I'm actually thinking maybe The Wanderer, which is Fritz Fritz Leiber's other um, uh, Hugo Award winning book. I might look that up because it might be better. I don't know. It might actually be a novel. It might actually be a novel. Maybe I Do should click think- on it. Um, do you think the the big time actually got uh, made into a play? Like people have performed it on stage. Don't know. Could have been. And then I wanted to ask because um, you have this Wikipedia page open, and then there they have a um, an edition, a cover of an edition. Uh, and um, when yeah. no. And the Wikipedia page, oh, Wikipedia page. of oh. the big time. Yeah. And so I did not know anything about the book, but when I came into the room to record the podcast, I glanced across and I saw this cover yeah. and I immediately asked, hey, this looks like a 60s, 70s era kind of style yeah. book cover. And from, It's from the 1961 Ace Double you, Edition cover. And yeah. if you look at this, do you think that it represents the reading experience? Yeah, it kind of does. Does? Yeah, because the audio, uh, the audible um, audiobook version looks really cool. You know, you got the big time, you got a spider and a snake and they're in a box. You know, it's like uh-huh. very boxy. This is more abstract. Like, yeah. this is what this book thinks it should be. Yes, yes. Um, but then, yeah, you look at the um, the Wikipedia page and you see the 1961 Ace Double Edition cover <laughs> and you're like, oh, right. So it's just, gar- so like now you would look at it and go, well, this is garbage pulp. <laughs> yes, this is how it looks like. But it isn't even, it isn't even garbage pulp because... Because it doesn't, it's not even, you know, swords and sorcery or, you know, um, what, uh, swords and, you know, it's or not Perry like... Perry Roden. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's not even Perry Roden, but it's it's about the story that's happening in Perry Roden, except it's where the people who know about their story and knew what happened would go around and sit around and then talk, and about, talk about it in a room. Not the people actually not the actual people experience doing it. it, yeah. I mean, there is some adventure kind of stuff. There is danger. There is stuff going on mm. in this book. But again, it never really raises, it never really rises up above like a, like a disagreement in a room and then like a whodunit kind of thing. And then we've got to work out whodunit. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah. Two stars then. Two stars. Okay. It's just not very good. Yeah. Not all books can be good. I mean, it, I I could see why pe- maybe people at the time thought, oh, this is really this is really interesting and it's really yeah. like um, adventurous or experimental or whatever yeah. it's going to be because it is maybe a reaction to those pulp books that it isn't you know some planetary romance by Jack Vance with about someone who goes onto a planet and has to make his way around and meets fifteen different alien races <laughs> and gets into a I mean I like that kind of stuff but it isn't it isn't a Princess of Mars kind of thing of meet all these different kind of things. Yeah, it's yeah, it is something different. But it's it does have weird. an alien with tentacles on it. It does have an alien with tentacles, um, and it's about time travel, mm. and it's got some other weird science fictional kind of stuff in there. But it doesn't. It it just doesn't hold up. Mm. It's one of those books that at the time it could have been the best book at the time. Yeah. But looking back now, the books that we think are better now are the ones which are a little bit more traditional, mm. and which we can read now and go, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. You know. So let's wrap it up there. That's fun. Okay. Thanks a lot for listening and we'll catch you next time. Goodbye.